and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, welcome back to the Remnant Call, everybody. Glad to be here. I am your host, Brother Frank, and excited for another wonderful episode with our one of our favorite guests, Brother Benjamin Baruch. Last time he came on the show, uh, did an appointed uh, time was the was the topic, and I'll tell you, our time appointed appointed time. Maybe I got that backwards. Anyways, it was such a powerful episode. Um, we almost like needed a part two and an expansion on that so we could get a little deeper into that. And so tonight we're going to talk about the signs in the heavens. If you haven't seen, we're coming up to some pretty amazing signs that are going to be happening here very soon. You've seen, I'm sure, the news of the solar eclipse that is about to happen. It is going to be a total solar eclipse. Now, we've uh, had some partial solar eclipse, and I can remember when I was in... Um, uh, elementary school in West Virginia. Yes, they do have school in West Virginia. And um, I was back there. And sorry about that, people from West Virginia. I'm from there too. Anyways, uh, you know, they it came it in the middle of the day. I remember in school and it went dark. It was amazing, but it was not a full 100% eclipse, I remember. Um, but this one is going to be. And it's interesting that when you look in the Word of God, that God says some very, very. Um, You know, you can read over a verse many times and not pick up exactly what it says. And we're going to look at something here in the book of Genesis in just a minute and and kind of look at what God was trying to tell us to be aware of from the very, very beginning. And so anyways, that was uh, just please, if you didn't listen to the message a few weeks ago with Brother Benjamin, please jump on there and and catch that. It was uh, amazing. And it's going to help uh, not even if you caught this one and you didn't, you're going to go back and learn even more on that. And uh, a few of the other ones have been really powerful, especially with uh, Brad Huddleston and um, and uh, the technology addiction. I'll tell you, I, I I can't stress enough, folks, about the dangers of technology today and what it is doing to our brains, and it's horrible. If you haven't read the Bible out of that old-fashioned book, please get one. Get one. They have proven that when you read from a book versus from electronic devices, the retention is better we got to put this word, not only do we put it in our mind, we want to hide it deep into our hearts. So please do that. But I want to open up this program tonight and just share uh, in the book of Genesis. Uh, remember, tonight's show is going to be the signs in the heavens. And in Genesis 1, 14 and 19, it says this, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two greater lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth 
and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now, so here God's talking about the creation, how he specifically created the sun, the moon, and the stars. But it's that little part at the very beginning here that I started to read that I want you to catch this real closely. Verse 14 again, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now, most of us who have studied the biblical feasts, we understand the seasons and the different days and the calendar and the years of, of God's uh, calendar. But the very first thing that God says about the sun and the moon and the stars is that let them be for signs. That was the very first thing. And I want you to just remember that, because tonight we're going to bring on Brother Benjamin, who is going to help us expand this to grow deeper in our knowledge of what's going on out there. Because this, if you're not awake in this hour, I'm telling you, the, not only are the heavens alive, the earth is falling apart, and every single sign out there is pointing to this is the culmination of what we've been looking for as believers, what the prophets have preached about, what your grandparents taught you about when you were young. This is the time that we are living in the most exciting hour, but it is a time you need to be close to God. And before I bring Benjamin on here in just one second, I wanted to read this out of Psalms 132. Verse 4 and 5, it says, I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. David was not going to rest until he built a house for God to rest in, for him to have a place that he would dwell among his people. My question is to you tonight, are you doing that in your, same, in your spiritual life? Are you, are you not going to rest or slumber until you have put God into the house, the home inside of your heart, where he can rule and reign freely? without hindrance, without objections, without you trying to take over? Are you having that same zeal that King David had with the physical structure and the spiritual one in your house? Well, I think Benjamin will touch on that a little later also tonight. So with no further waiting, I'm going to bring on Brother Benjamin. Benjamin, are you uh, here with us tonight? Hey, good evening, Frank. Hey, Brother Benjamin, thanks for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Glad to, glad to have you back. And um, Benjamin, as I was explaining to the audience, um, especially those who didn't catch the last episode um, on a time appointed, um, that was mm -hmm. just uh, a powerful show. But Benjamin, you have spent uh, 40, 30, 40 years now uh, studying the Word of God. Uh, looking into the deeper things, and you have, have been one person in particular that has really learned to understand about the heavenlies and the signs and what they mean to us as believers. You know, I read years ago in Josephus' writings, Benjamin, where he was talking about Seth, and Seth had the knowledge of the stars and their true meaning, not this false uh, fake, uh, demonic, devilish astrology meaning, but a true meaning in that Josephus even said he, he had heard a prophecy from Adam that 
that the earth would be destroyed twice, once by fire and once by flood. And not knowing which one would come first, he inscribed that knowledge on those on, on clay and on rocks so that one could survive a fire and the other could survive a flood, and that they were still in the land of Syriad, is what he said, in his day, like he had seen them. So that's a very, for me, that's very interesting that this knowledge of the true heavenlies, even 2,000 years ago in Josephus' historical writings, which scholars love to quote, uh, is speaking to this knowledge as he'd actually even seen it. Yeah, the truth is, well, the truth is pretty rare, isn't it, Frank? It is. In an empire of lies, in a world drowning in their own lies. The truth is uh, not even perceived. In Psalm 74, verse 9, the scripture testifies against this generation. They see not their signs. The actual mm. text is, we see not our signs. There's a generation of people that cannot see the signs. And the, the verse continues, there are, is no longer any true prophets among us. Oh, we got plenty of false prophets, but we don't need their help. You know, many false prophets will come and deceive many, Jesus warned us. He never said there'd be a large number of true prophets. Rather, there would be a famine in the land for the true word of God, which is more precious than gold today. This is a generation that cannot see the signs. And the scripture says, our signs. God is warning the world. He's warning not Amen. just the world. He's warning creation. The heavens take notice. The warnings that are in the stars. And they're profound. But this is a generation that knows absolutely nothing. It's amazing. Satan was very successful in stealing the truth and replacing it with something slightly different. Kind of looks like the truth, you know? Sort of, if you just look at it in quickly and you don't study it carefully, kind of looks like the truth, sounds like the truth. And a lot of people have received it, convinced they've got the truth, but they don't have the true word of God. They don't see the signs. They don't have, there's no ream of word coming out of heaven to these people. And neither is there any among us that know how long. Isn't that a profound statement? Yes, it is. Generation cannot see their signs. And uh, praise God, we've got to, I want to cover a couple interesting topics tonight, and um, Amen. but we got to pray. Amen. I was just oh. going to say thank you for that. Yeah, we got to pray. Hallelujah! I got some cool, cool revelation from God. I got some awesome things from the Lord today. Um, but brother, I'm tired. I need the I need the Lord to touch me and empower me by the power of His Spirit. So, Lord, we come before you. We bless you. Father, we thank you. We lift up your name. Lord Jesus, 
We exalt you. We praise you. Lord, we owe you everything. Everything, Lord. All good things that we've received have come by you and through you. Lord, let us be like the one leper out of ten that, that came and sought you out after you healed ten of them. There was one that, that had to find you and had to thank you for the Amen. goodness that you bestowed upon men. And so, Lord, we come before you and we thank you. We bless you. And, Lord, in spite of the apostasy of this ruined age, in spite of the blasphemy of, that echoes in the in the halls of power among the nations in this, in this day, and even the, the frivolity and the foolishness that goes on in the churches that are called by your name, Lord, yet you have been merciful, and you have put signs before the people, signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, testifying of the hour that is now at hand. Lord, you've continued to be merciful even when people have disregarded you, when people have trampled on your grace, when your own people have presumed upon your goodness. Lord, you've been merciful and you've been kind. But the day of mercy and the age of grace is coming to a close. And, and the time will come when you will, you will give out the shout in the midnight hour, Suddenly you will be upon us, and if we don't have the oil, if we're foolish virgins in that time, we will find there is no time to prepare. And you will gather your anointed remnant into your secret hiding place, and the door will be shut. And then the storm will come, and to those that are outside of your protection, Lord, there's nothing that can be done in the strength of the flesh. The whirlwind is coming soon, Lord. I pray you'd give us ears to hear. Lord, prick our hearts, convict us. Bring forth your truth in this program tonight. Lord, forgive us our sins. We repent before you. Yes. Lord, we repent before you for, for not putting you first, for not making... Your kingdom, first priority. You told us to seek first the kingdom of God. And, and Lord, so many of us fell asleep on the watch. We fell asleep and got caught up in the busyness of life. And so many things took first priority. But we repent before you, Lord. Set us free that we could pursue you with all our hearts and that we could Seek your kingdom first and foremost. And Lord, redeem your people. Redeem your remnant. Send out a Rima word that would touch lives tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, the Lord was very clear, you know, if you think about it, Frank, um, that there would be signs in the stars. Yes. Signs in the sun. Signs in the moon. Signs in the stars, and, and so there are signs all around us. And uh, yet, this is a generation that sees not their sign. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray you would 
you would speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Psalm 30, pardon me, Proverbs 30 is a prophecy of this generation. If you guys haven't heard the Proverbs 30 message, I would suggest finding it. It's out there in YouTube land, um, or it's in the Search the Scriptures book, uh, You Shall Know the Truth, Volume 2 of Search the Scriptures. One of the chapters is Proverbs 30. But in Proverbs 30, verse 11, let's start there. There is a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. There is a generation that is pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness, not washed from their sin. There is a generation, the final generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes. And their eyes are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. The horse leech has two daughters crying, Give, give! They want everything for free. There are three things never satisfied. Four things that say it's never enough. The grave, death is never satisfied. The barren womb, the earth that is not full of water. The dry ground is never satisfied. And the fire that says it is, un- it is that saith not, it is enough. In the grave, a shallow grave is the only thing that will be remembered from this generation and from this ruined age that could not see its signs. A barren womb. Spiritual miscarriage has occurred in the lives of so many. You know, the life sprang up, the seed was sown, and new life came, but yet it was not good ground. It was, it was rocky soil. It was soil full of thorns, the cares of this earth, and, and the cost, the cost of the gospel. You know, the gospel is going to cost you something. I know we were freely, we were given grace freely, but there's a price to be paid. Yes. There is a price. You have to forsake the things of this earth. If you want to seek first the kingdom of heaven, you have to forsake seeking first the things of Babylon, an earth that is not filled with water. and such a dryness now, brother. You know, there is a famine of, of the true word of God. There's also a drought. The true anointing is so precious. You know, and what is life like when you can't enter the presence of God, when, when you cry out and you, you seek the face of God and there is no living water to be found. Oh, perish the thought. You know, that is a generation of people that are ruined. But I find it interesting that one of the attributes of this last generation, this cursed generation, and I will tell you guys a, a secret. Well, really, it's, it shouldn't be a secret because this is in the scriptures, but so much has not really been understood. You know, we listened to so many pillow prophets, and we had so many teachings through the mind of men instead of revelation from the Word of God that the truth kind of got missed. You know, all the nonsense became the common wisdom of the age. But there is Scripture. You know, maybe next program, Frank, I'll go ferret it out. I'll, I'll bring it forth. But there is Scripture to confirm that this is actually the most wicked generation Ever. Yeah. I, I totally believe it. And this, and one of the reasons it's the most wicked generation ever is 
This is the generation that has the greatest access to the Word of God. Think about it. You've got churches across this land. How many of us have how many Bibles do you have in your house anyway? I don't even know how many I have. I love Bibles. I'm always buying Bibles. I have Bibles all over the place. Thank God my Bibles are open. And I'm reading the Word of God. Every day I'm in the Word of God. What a blessing to be receiving the Word of God. But, you know, we have been the most blessed people in terms of the, the outreach of the Word of God. And what and think of the wealth and the prosperity and the 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 re, sort of the free time, the recreational time, what have we done with it? What have we done with the wealth and the freedom and, and all the things that heaven gave unto us? We have the greatest access to the Word of God. All of us have Bibles on our computers. We can instantly access the Greek and the Hebrew source text. and We've got all of the commentary. The wisdom of the ages is at our fingertips. And what have we done with it? We can't even see our signs. We're a lazy generation. It's a people that really, they're lukewarm, and the Lord's about to vomit them right out of his mouth. But notice that, you know, they're referred to as a horse leech. <laughs> I'm not really sure. You know, what does what exactly is a horse leech anyway? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm what, what does it, sure. it it means to suck? I mean, it, people that want to, they're leeches. You know, they they want to take from other people. Actually, they're they're socialists. They're communists. They think other people should work for them. Other people should pay for them. You know, and socialism and communism or Satanism. Just kind of with a different label. You know, the Word of God says, you know, the man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And yeah, we're to take care of the poor, the widows and orphans, people who can't help themselves. But we're not to be communists. We're not to be socialists. We're to be responsible for our own lives as if unto the Lord. Well, hallelujah. So that's a little preamble of Proverbs 30. But, um, you know... Frank, we can get into the signs in the heavens and the you know the program on on the September 23rd sign, which we all know about at this point. The the picture of the woman, the virgin giving birth, is so awesome. You know the kingdom is coming forth, and I want to touch on that sign in the heavens, but I want to come at this revelation of what's now taking place right in front of our of our faces really i mean in plain view of the entire world and yet most of the church doesn't even know this is happening it's incredible but it's because people don't respect the word of god people don't study the word they don't handle the word with due reverence they don't actually even respect the lord I know they give him lip service. You know, the people will, will say, Lord, Lord. And many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord. But I will say unto them, I do not know you. There's a, there's a multitude who know about the gospel. They know the name of Jesus, but they can't see their signs. They've never read the... They've never even had the Rima Word of God. They've never had 
the true Holy Spirit. They've never been born again. They're blind, and they're following the blind guides, and they're seeking to enter through the wide road, and they're going to enter hell. I don't know how they cope with that outcome, to have professed to be a Christian and yet have been blind, and to have known Jesus' name and yet never met the Lord and have and literally on judgment day to say Lord Lord as if they expected him to recognize them and, and can you imagine the awesome the ominous the terrible woe that must come upon their hearts as when they hear the Lord say I never knew you I don't know who you are Get away from me, evildoers. And these are people that can't see. They can't see their signs. They can't even see the true word of God. But then there are the people who respect the Lord, who revere the Lord. And they're the ones who are part of his remnant and who will, have, will one day inherit his salvation. I want to start just briefly, Frank, if I could. And I want to touch on some scripture from the Psalms. And I want to start just quickly in Psalm 9, which... In verse 1, we read, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will show forth all thy marvelous works. And that word in Hebrew for praise thee, O Lord, the word is yada, and it actually means to hold up your hands, to hold out the hand or to lift up the hand in reverent worship of God. I will lift my hands in worship of the Lord, and that word for reverence, that word is actually defined as having great respect. Of, to, to show great respect of, of someone that is worthy of great honor. To respect them with awe. They are, this is something that is awesome. To adore and to worship with deep love, with intense love and devotion. This is the attitude of, of the ones who are praising the Lord, who are worshiping the Lord with their hands and with all of their heart, and to revere the Lord is to have the attitude in your heart of recognizing that God and His Word are worthy of our greatest honor. And the scripture talks about the people that honor the Lord in Isaiah 66, verse 5. We read, Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble at his word. And when we tremble, when we hear the word of the Lord and you are afraid, because you know who has spoken, the great and awesome God said these things, and if that brings you to the point of trembling, and you're the people that revere the Lord. You show the Lord the great respect and the awesome devotion that He is due and worthy of. These people that tremble at the Word also hear the Word of the Lord. They receive the Rima Word of God. And what is the Word that they hear from heaven in this hour? Your brethren that hated you and cast you out for my name's sake saying, let the Lord be glorified, but he will appear to your joy, and they shall soon be ashamed. Isn't that amazing? 
here the people that actually respect God and honor God and tremble at the Word of God, they're the only ones that are hearing the true Word of God. Yet their brothers in the church hate them. Why? Same reason Joseph's brothers hated him. They're jealous. They're envious. You know, I've had a brother say to me, you know, why can't I hear the Lord? I wouldn't know the answer to that question. Why would they ask me? But they did, and they ended up hating me because they didn't hear the Lord, and I had told them that I did. And suddenly there was envy and hatred. And the people that don't hear the Rima Word of God, that can't actually hear the Lord, they're going to hate the remnant that does know the Lord. And they cast us out of their churches. For God's sake, they actually say, it's because of our faith in God that we've got to get rid of you. <laughs> and yet, when the Lord appears, when the man-child is born, they shall be ashamed, and he will appear to our joy. And this is, again, I'm continuing to read from Isaiah 66, verses 5 through 8. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of the Lord. He will render recompense to his enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Well, now we're talking about the woman. Isaiah 66, I think this is verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Now for those who understand, the scripture says in the book of Job that men do not perceive the word of God. One of the reasons people can't hear the word of the Lord is they don't have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. So the Lord is not their teacher. And so what are they left with? The dark counsel of the fallen mind of man? What, are they going to use their knowledge of good and evil? Oh, man, I'm a real expert in evil. This is going to really help me out in interpreting the Word of God. Yeah, I figured out I'm right and everyone else is wrong. That's all the knowledge of good and evil does. Is it gets us religious, and then it creates division. And what do we end up doing with that? We all hate each other in the end. Many offended. Many should become offended and hate one another. Yeah, that's the end of the religious group among us. All the religious people are going to all end up hating each other. Because in reality, they hate the Lord. They're the haters of the Lord. But this reference to the woman travailing, this is speaking prophetically of the birth of the state of Israel, which occurred in 1948. But in Job, the Lord revealed that when he speaks, his word is fulfilled twice. This prophecy will be fulfilled yet again with the birth of the man-child. And, you know, I have to wonder, Frank, Israel was born in 1948. We now yeah. see the sign, the prophetic picture of the birth of man-child is in the heavens. The birth will take place September 23rd in terms of the prophetic picture in the stars. And we know from the text in Matthew that the star of Bethlehem was in the heavens for two years. This picture of the birth of the man-child, perhaps, will present a two-year window of time within which the man-child will be born. Might the man-child be born by the 70th anniversary of the birth of the state in the natural? Will the Word of God be fulfilled yet again in 2018 with the literal birth of the man-child? We shall see. 
But the reference here, for those who tremble at the Word of God, I just want to share briefly that definition of the word tremble. In Hebrew, it's karad, and it means to shudder with terror, to fear, to be filled with anxiety, be afraid, to be careful. When you handle the Word of God, when you get a word from the Lord, when you have revelation from on high, when you open your Bible, are you shuddering with terror? Are you afraid of what God might say to you? Or are we lackadaisical, taking God and His Word for granted? You know, Satan comes along, you can sin, the Lord will forgive you. Are we presuming on His grace? We're trampling on His mercy, and we're throwing the Word of God out of our life, and presuming that God will show us mercy anyway in the end. That is not the attitude of people who tremble at the Word of God. That word means fearful, reverential trembling, to be exceedingly afraid. I can tell you that when the Lord translated me into the future and I saw the fulfillment of the Word of God coming upon the church and the people of the United States of America. Those of you that never heard that before, you'll have to go listen to some of my prior messages. But I was there. I've seen the judgment. I saw the Word of God fulfilled. The judgment decreed against, against this people. I can tell you for the next seven days, I was shuddering with terror. I, was sh I couldn't stop shaking. I was so filled with fear from what I had seen that I literally was trembling around the clock for an entire week. And it wasn't until the eighth day that the Lord rescued me from the terror of it. And this happened in um, November of 1996, and the eighth day was actually Thanksgiving Day on our calendar, and the Lord spoke to me in the morning, and he said, where is this enemy that you're afraid of? Because you know, God had showed me the judgment on the church, and I'm telling you, it is severe, and I was terrified. But he poured out the Holy Spirit on me, and he calmed me down. And, you know, the preparation of the altar, according to the commandment of the Lord in the original covenant, when a stone was to be used for presentation of offerings before the Lord. It first had to be purified for seven days, burned in the fire, until it became completely clean and completely purified. And, and by the end of the seven days of burning, that stone would be red hot. I mean, it was literally almost molten. And that's pretty much how my soul was after seven days in the fire. And, and then to consecrate the stone to consecrate the altar to the Lord, God would command that water, huge quantity of water would be poured on the stone, and this red-hot stone and a couple thousand gallons of water would collide and it would explode in steam, and if the stone didn't crack, it was now ready for the master's use, and that's what God did to me, Frank. On the eighth day, he poured out the Holy Spirit, and I didn't crack and all the heat left, and the fear left. But in all honesty, I had friends and family during that seven-day period. I had people tell me, we don't know if you heard from God or if you've had a nervous breakdown. 
And I told them, I said, it's obviously both. God spoke and I broke. And when you see what I saw, you will tremble as well. And believe me, fear is coming upon the earth. A shuddering, terror-filled fear. But it's not coming upon the righteous. In Deuteronomy chapter 2.25, God said, This day I will put the fear of you and the fear of Israel upon the nations under the whole of heaven. And they will hear the report of you, and they will tremble, and they will be in anguish because of you. And when Israel came out of Egypt, when Israel, under the leadership of Joshua, began to take the kingdom, the report spread throughout the earth. The Israelites are coming. No one can stand against them. Their God is with them, and their God is, in fact, the God of gods. And he can cast down entire walls. With the sound of a trumpet, he can throw ten-foot walls to the ground, made of stone. They are dust before him. And so the nations were terrified at the thought that the Israelites were coming. Well, the Israelites are about to be born again. That's what the birth of the man-child represents. True Israel. God is about to birth the Israelite people that he always intended. It was God's purpose that Israel would be his special possession. And so, at the time of the end, the time to favor Zion is returned. The Lord is returning to Jerusalem with mercy. And he's also called forth an army, which is the man-child company. This man-child that will be given a rod of iron. These guys are no joke. And they're going to come forth with the power of God. It's going to be the Lion of Judah. And this, this, you know, when you look at the picture in the heavens, Frank, the woman giving birth, the virgin, the crown over her head of 12 stars is the Lion of Judah. That is the crown of Israel. And when you think about it, what makes Israel so special? What is it about Israel? The only thing that makes Israel different from the rest of the world is the king of Israel. Mm. The, the Jewish people and the Christians that got grafted in to the true vine of Yeshua, who got born again in Jesus Christ, and are now part of the commonwealth of Israel, as Paul describes in the New Testament writings, what makes us special as born-again Christians? There's nothing different in us from the world other than Jesus. Mm. He is the crown. He's our reward. He's the glory of Israel. Amen. He's the Savior of the church. The well, Benjamin, the I have a quick, right now I have a quick question um, about yeah. what you're talking about. Um, because I know... <laughs> You're, you know, you've explained this many times, and and I, we have an audience here that you're talking to that does not know a lot of this stuff, Benjamin. And when you're talking about, I understand because I've heard through the years, but when you're talking about the twelve, you know, knowing that the man child's coming forth, and and that the woman and the stars, Benjamin, and I had mentioned earlier about this knowledge. How do you come to that? I, I, could you explain a little bit about this? Because this audience here, they're wanting to actually know. Um, about some of that information. This is new, actually, to some people. Um, Okay, which part? The part about, you know, about understanding how the way the stars move around and what's going on right now with 
the woman being pregnant. How did you come to that conclusion? Well, I mean, I'm just looking at the stars. Um, of course, there's been a lot of notoriety then in terms of the uh, events that are in the heavens. And uh, several people have done an excellent job of tracking the stars. But I also have the computer software where I can look at the stars over any time period using my computer. But um, the fact that the woman will have 12 stars in her crown, I mean, I'm just looking at it right now. She has the nine stars of the constellation of the Lion of Judah, of which Regulus is the principal star, and it's the king's. It represents the coming of Jesus Christ as the king of the earth, as the king of kings, coming forth with the authority of God. And, and the metaphor for his power among us is a lion, and, and the most powerful force in the creation. And yet this September, three more planets have come into conjunction. Let me just jump forward, because right now I'm looking at August 21st, which is the Great Eclipse. Let me jump forward to September 23rd. We have the planets Venus, Mars, and Mercury in conjunction in the constellation of the Lion of Judah. While the woman is clothed with the sun, she's got Jupiter, which represents the king planet. Jupiter is in her womb. She's conceived the king. Who is the man-child? It's the life of Jesus Christ. But wait a minute, I it's also the 144,000. Uh-huh. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. I mean, it's, it is kind of hard, Frank, to uh, catch everybody up in like an hour. Sure. I've no, probably no, no. done <laughs> 45 years of study. I have something like 70,000 to 100,000 hours of research. This has been my life's work since 1971. Mm -hmm. And I spend the majority of my time studying Scripture, prophecy, and, and looking into these things. So, I mean, this is, this is who and what I am. Yeah. For those well, who, who don't know, I would just suggest they just need to get up to speed real quick. I mean, th they're among the generation that just simply doesn't see any of this. And, you know, I'm not trying to place blame. I'm not trying to be critical. You know, there go I but the grace of God. I mean, the pastors didn't teach us anything. They didn't know either. The leaders of the church, I mean, seriously, look at what went on for, for Bible study. Now, when I first got saved and... You know, I was a young Christian, and then I really was just learning the Word of God. And I was also a little kid, you know, I was 14, 15 years old. These were great Bible studies. But that same type of Bible study today, I can't even bear to listen to it. Mm. It's so shallow. I mean, it's, and I'm not trying to be, I mean, it's like that, you know, the Bible studies of the Laodicean church, I just can't handle and, you know, I also can't listen to the false prophets. I mean, when, when somebody stands up and starts speaking out of a satanic spirit, I, I'm sorry, i got to put my fingers in my ears. Mm. Or when somebody mm. starts speaking doctrines of devils, you know, 
in the last days men will no longer endure sound doctrine. No kidding. I mean, I can't even get invited to a prophecy conference anymore. You want to know why? Because I, this, I'm serious. I was told the reason we can't invite you to come to our prophecy conferences is because you don't stand up and say, in my opinion, and, and I believe thus and so. You declare the actual word of God as if you're speaking the total truth. Mm. I'm sorry, that's my job, you know. I mean, the Lord told me to go tell the people. And he said, I want you to tell them the truth. And I, when I heard that, I started kind of laughing a little. You know, I said, well, that's kind of large, you know. What do you, what do you mean, tell them the truth, Lord? You know, where in the world do I start? I mean, Frank, that's like your question. People don't know the truth. Well, I mean, I've got 300 hours of YouTubes. I've published five books. I've got four more that are coming pretty quick. And, I, you know, how do we get caught up? I would tell you guys, you know what, get busy. Because you really want to know the right answers. Yeah. But, you know, we the problem is um, so much of the false teachings for in this last generation have wasted our time, Frank. But as no, far I as agree. the signs and the stars, there's some great, you know, there's some great books. If you're interested to understand this for yourself, there are some great books. The Gospel in the Stars uh, by a guy named Seiss is, is a great reference text. Um, there's a couple more I don't remember off the top of my head, but the signs and the stars are not that hard to understand because the, God named the stars. And the names the Lord gave to the stars are prophetic symbols. They're pictures that give us insight into the meaning of the constellations. The 12 constellations are the Maseroth of Scripture. And, you know, God says in, in the book of Job to Job, he says, you know, can you bring forth the Maseroth in its time? What the Lord is saying to Job is, can you bring the fulfillment of the prophetic picture in the stars, because there's a prophetic message in the stars. God challenged Job and said, can you bring that to fulfillment? Can you bring it to pass on the earth, Job? And of course, the answer is no. Only the Lord can bring the word of God to pass on the earth. But the word of God is in the stars. The same word that's in your Bible is in the heavens. You just were never told to look up. And, Amen. Um, you know, all I can, and I'm not, that. I'm certainly not an expert. I mean, I know a little bit about the signs and the stars, but I have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. So I'll, you know, the Lord's led me into a few things, but I got to tell you, it's also in the Word of God. And, you mm -hmm. know, so many people in the church, I, you know, there's been so much error, and then people become, they harden, you know. Yeah. What was it the Lord said? Let me think for a second here. My people are ignorant in word. They're ignorant in my word. I can't remember. Do you remember, Frank? I taught on this a while back. The Lord spoke to me, and there were three things. He said, my people are ignorant in my word, um, arrogant in their pride, third thing. I can't remember now. I've, I've written it down. I'm, I can go find it. But, but in any event, 
The church is ignorant in the true word of God. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. You guys should know these things. And, you know, if you don't, we, we need to study to show ourselves approved. I mean, you know, who are the 144,000? Who is this man-child of Revelation 12? It is not the rapture. <laughs> I mean, the pre-trib people, they grasp at straws, and everything represents the pre-trib rapture to them. Even where it says in Thessalonians that the day of the Lord will not come until first there is a great falling away, and second, the man of sin, the Antichrist, is going to be revealed. Well, the great falling away in the Greek, the word is apostasia. It means apostasy. It means to fall from the truth. But the pre-trib rapture camp, they interpret that as the rapture. Oh, that means that we're like falling away from the earth. And we're going to fall off the earth as we get raptured. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's blatant, gross negligence. It's incompetent. And actually, it's also... Uh, a felony um, in the law of scriptural interpretation, and I can prove to you in the Word of God that the pastors and the teachers that taught this message to the to the people uh, will pay with their lives. And that's in Jeremiah 23, where the Lord has rebuked the pastors. He says, "Woe unto the pastors that have scattered my sheep," and he says. You know, the Lord is against the pastors that feed the people. You scattered my flock. You drove them away, and you have not visited them. The pastors didn't actually care for the sheep. And so the Lord pronounces a woe on them, and he says, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries. And then he says, and I'm going to set up true shepherds over them. Jeremiah 23, verse 5, Behold, the days come that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment in the earth. When Jesus came the first time, he didn't execute the judgment. He himself was executed as the sacrificial lamb. But now, in the time of the end, in the last days, he's going to execute judgment. Jeremiah 23 is a prophecy of the last days, and it says so in that chapter. Verse 9 my heart within me is broken because of the prophets of this people. And all my bones shake. Jeremiah was trembling when he realized the deception that would come at the time of the end. And he says, I'm like a drunken man because of the Lord and because of the word of his holiness. God's word is holy. And if you're not fearfully, reverentially handling God's word, then you're... You're getting ready to go to the hurt locker, people. And then in verse 10, the land is full of adulterers. Because of swearing, the land mourns. The pleasant places have dried up. Their course is evil. The force within them is not right. Both prophet and priest are profane. And verse 17, they say still unto a nation of people that despise me. Okay, this nation despises God. They've thrown his word out of their public life. And most Christians, most people who profess to be a Christian, actually despise the Lord. And the, the pastors have said to them, you'll have peace. And, and the pastors teach everyone that walks after the imagination of their own heart. That's what all these people are doing. 
They're walking in the knowledge of good and evil. They're walking under the dark counsel of this ruined age. They follow the imagination of their own heart, and they're absolutely convinced that everything they think is right, because they know everything. And the pastors have told them, no evil shall come upon you. And how is that possible? Because you're all going to disappear in a preacher rapture. That's how no evil comes upon you. And then in the scripture goes on and says, but who stood in the counsel of the Lord and has heard and perceived his word? Who has heard the word of the Lord? Well, I have. I have heard the Lord speak to me in an audible voice. And he's also showed me things. And the truth is, a whirlwind is coming forth in fury. Jeremiah 23, verse 19. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord is going forth in fury. Even a grievous whirlwind, and it will fall grievously. And the anger of the Lord will not be satisfied, will not return, until he has executed now, we could do a Bible study on what an execution is, but I think you guys know there's an execution coming. And woe unto the pastors who told the people that you're not going to be part of it. And then it goes on in verse 20, and it says, The Lord, his anger will not be satisfied until he's performed the thoughts of his heart, and in the last days you're going to see this perfectly. So, you know, the Scripture warns us at the time of the end, the people will despise God. The people are going to be walking in apostasy. The doctrines of demons will have filled the churches. The people will be walking under deception. Multitudes will be trying to enter through the wide road. Nobody can see the signs that are right in front of their face. And it's not going to work out very well for those people. But for the remnant that is willing to repent and return to the Lord, it's going to be fine. You know, the Lord said in Deuteronomy 20, Hear, O Israel, as you approach this day and the battle against your enemies, let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble. Neither be terrified because of them. We do not need to be afraid of what's coming upon the earth if we are among the people who tremble at the word of God. If we fear the Lord, we have nothing to fear in the earth. Hosea 11.10 they shall walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Yeah, he's coming forth like a lion, too. And when he shall roar, his children will tremble from the west. Where does the trembling begin? In the west. Where do we live? The west. The hindermost nation. That word hindermost means the west and the last. And so the United States is the hindermost empire. We rose in power at the end of the age, and we rose in power in the West. And so the people of God who survived the judgment that's about to come upon America, they're going to come forth trembling from the West. Hallelujah. Psalm 99, the Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. Ecclesiastes 12, in the day that is coming when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men will bow themselves, and the grinders will cease because they're few. And those that look out windows will be darkened. The windows are nobody's going to even be willing to look out the window. It's going to be so terrifying. Even the the strong men will bow down. The people who think they're so strong, they're going to be terrified of what's coming upon the earth. Isaiah 64, verse one: Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh Lord, come down among us that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. When the Lord comes and stands on the earth, the rocks melt. 
When the Lord stands on your heart, your heart will melt. When he puts his hand on your heart, your heart's going to melt, just like the rocks melt. And, and it says in Isaiah 64, as when the melting fire burns, and the fire causes the water to boil, to make thy name known to thy enemies, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. Folks, that's what's coming. The picture of the birth of the man-child is the birth of Jesus Christ coming into his people. Now, I don't know why the revelation of Jesus Christ is not commonly understood in the church. You know, I don't know why that it's not easily understood when it is explained. Look, I mean, I realize that the teachers that came following the imagination of their own heart, using their, you know, their carnal mind, the mind of the flesh, which is actually, God calls it, dark counsel. Your great ideas, your best idea, aside from the spirit-filled mind of Christ, if you're in the mind of the flesh, on your best day, the best you can do is wood, hay, and stubble. God calls your inventions garbage, and he calls your best thinking dark counsel. Because we don't get it. You know, we miss it. And all of these false doctrines in the church, they all came out of that dark place, and they're all garbage, and they're all going to be blown away in the day that's coming. The reality is, and it's actually really good news, the reality is that Jesus Christ has a seven-year ministry in the earth. Now, Frank, I didn't know that. I never read that anywhere in anything. I didn't even understand that concept. And one day, this was in the mid-1980s, when um, the Lord started teaching me about Bible prophecy. And I'd already read most of the books, you know, that had been written by the men. Um, from 1971 to about 1985, I had read virtually, well, majority of the Bible prophecy books. And all I knew is that something didn't make sense. I just knew something's not right. You know, this, is, this can't be right. There's got to be errors here, but I didn't have a clue. And then the Lord started speaking to me about the true interpretations of Bible prophecy. And one of the things he said to me one day while I was washing my dishes in my kitchen God spoke to me out of the blue, and he said, I have a seven-year ministry in the earth, and I'm only half finished. And I thought, wow, I have never heard that before. What in the world does that mean? And there's scripture to support that. Daniel 9, chapter 9, verse 27, it says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for seven years. And now the scripture, the context uh, is the prophecy of the 70 weeks. We were told there will be 62 weeks and 7 weeks. From the commandment to restore Jerusalem until the coming of Messiah, there will be 62 seven-year periods and 7 seven-year periods. That adds up to 69 seven-year periods. And then the 70th week, the final seven-year period, we are told he will confirm his covenant for seven years. Now, the prophecy regarding the 70 weeks deals both with the coming of Messiah and the Antichrist, the people of the prince that shall come, who will destroy the city, the Romans. And so the Antichrist comes out of what was essentially Europe, a nation that at one time was part of the Roman Empire. We know that nation now is England. But 
the prophecy in Daniel 9.27 where it says he will confirm the covenant for seven years, and in the midst of the seven years he'll stop the temple sacrifice. Now, today's teachers all say, oh, that's the Antichrist. He makes a peace treaty with Israel, and, and in the midst of the seven, final seven years, he stops the sacrifice at the rebuilt temple. Well, first of all, he doesn't make the treaty. He confirms it. And second, everything the Antichrist does is a counterfeit of the real, and his counterfeit, his confirming the covenant of death, Isaiah 28, which Israel made by signing a peace treaty with its, their enemies, the Palestinians, in which they promised to give up the land of Israel, Eretz Israel, trading the land to the enemies of God, which is not even legal under the Bible, under the word of God. The Lord said, the land is mine. You cannot sell it. You can't give it away. You can't trade it to my enemies. So the entire peace process, the Oslo Accord, the covenant under which Israel promised to surrender land for a Palestinian state in exchange for the promise of peace from the Palestinians, well, we know how good the promise is. It's worthless. And the, the treaty to surrender land to the enemies of God is also illegal. So the covenant is going to end in war. But the Antichrist is going to confirm that covenant of death for seven years. But Jesus Christ is also referenced in Daniel 9, 24 to 27. And that prophecy is fulfilled twice. As I mentioned to you previously, we know that the, when the Lord speaks, he speaks twice. You know, there's a spiritual fulfillment, there's a literal fulfillment. You know, when, when Adam fell, God promised a Messiah would come. Okay, he promised to send a Messiah. How many times does the Messiah come? Twice. Every word of God is fulfilled twice, you guys. You know, I don't understand why that is not commonly known. But it is the truth. So, here, the promise, the prophecy, that a covenant would be confirmed for seven years is fulfilled first by Jesus Christ, who confirms the covenant that his father made with Abraham. That's Jesus' job. He took the job of confirming the covenant of our salvation. And the Lord did it. We didn't do it. Abraham didn't do it. Jesus did it. And the truth is, he's only done the first half of his confirmation. He's only done half his job. As he said to me, I have a seven-year ministry. He's got a seven-year ministry in the earth where he himself is going to take care of business. And in 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came and ministered as the Lamb of God, he ministered for three and a half years, right? That's coincidentally yeah. half of seven, and the final great tribulation period is three and a half years, in which he will be among us as the Lion of Judah in an anointed remnant that are described in many places in Scripture. Isaiah 13 gives us insight into who the man-child company is. Verse 3, I have commanded my sanctified ones. Okay, they're sanctified. That means they are holy unto the Lord. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger. Oh, that's interesting. Their ministry is the anger of the Lord. The Lord is very angry, and he's called forth an army to fulfill his final ministry as the Lion of Judah. And they are mighty ones. The word in Hebrew is gebarim. 
That's who the man-child is. That's, they walk with his rod of iron. They got his authority because they walk with him. And it goes on and it says, you know, the noise of a multitude in the mountains. The Lord of hosts musters the host of the battle. This is an army. They come from a far country. They're going to be all over the world. From the end of heaven, even the Lord. Who can come from heaven? The Lord. They come from the Lord. And they are the weapons of his indignation to destroy. I know your King James says the whole land. The text in Hebrew says the whole earth. Howl ye for the day of the Lord is at hand. And it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint. Every man's heart shall melt. As I mentioned to you, when the Lord touches your heart, your heart will melt. They shall be afraid. Pain and sorrow will take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travails which is the picture in the heavens before our faces even today, they shall be amazed one at another, and their faces shall be as flames. The people's faces will appear as if on fire because of the stress that is going to come forth. And so, you know, it probably would be wise for you to seriously examine and test these things. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, it is cruel with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. And the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not shine. And I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible, and I will make man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. And the golden wedge of Ophir was a myth. Men will be more precious than a myth that didn't even exist. And it shall be as the chaste roe, and as sheep that no man takes up, and they shall everyone turn to his own people, and they will flee into their own land, and everyone that is found will be thrust through. And everyone that is joined unto them will fall by the sword. And their children will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled. And their wives will be ravished. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beautiful nation, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It's pretty serious. Pretty serious prophecy. But the anointed remnant that are coming forth, the 144,000, they are coming to save the remnant of God's people who are presented, they're pictured as the woman that flees into the wilderness to escape the face of the dragon. God's going to save a remnant. Now, the 144,000, they are not the remnant. They're part of the remnant, but they're actually, if you can receive this, and you know, there's so much that the church can't even believe, Frank. Just like 2,000 years ago, the Jews, when Jesus stood up to preach in his own hometown, they wanted to kill him. Right? They wanted to throw him off a cliff. But it wasn't his time. He passed right through them. So today, you go into the churches, you start revealing the true things of the kingdom of God to the people, they want to kill you. Because it so contradicts everything that they learned. But the 144,000... Think of them as the army of heaven. Think of them as the vessels through which 
the Lord Jesus Christ is going to fulfill the second half of his seven-year ministry. He came the first time as God, only he came as a man. He put aside the power of his, of his Godhead, of the fact that he's part of God, and he humbled himself to take on the limitations of a man. Everything Jesus did in his first ministry, his first three and a half years among us, he came as the Son of Man. He prayed. Everything he did, he did by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said to us, you'll do greater things than these. Of course, that hasn't happened yet. That will be fulfilled in the time that is immediately ahead of us. It's not all bad news, you guys. It's only bad news for the sinners of the people. The Benjamin, i gotta, I got to say church. something here because I, I, I know right now God is in this program. And I'm going to tell you how I know. I just had a question come in. Right before you said that, asking me from you, Rhonda wanted me to make sure that she knew you knew it was coming from her, uh, Rhonda and Bruce, wanting to know if the hundred forty-four thousand was the re- the same as the remnant, and who are the hundred forty-four thousand? Now, Benjamin, I'm sorry, that's not a coincidence. And then you turn around and answer the question after they ask. I'm sorry, the Lord right now is speaking in this program. Amen. No, the 144,000 are the Delta forces. Look, here's what's going on, big picture. God has been at war against his enemy, Satan, for 6,000 years. And Jesus came to deliver us, and, and as the Lamb of God, he fulfilled the first half of his ministry. It was his job to die for us, to die in our place. He The Lord took our judgment, you guys. The reason we're not going to hell is Jesus stood in the gap. They pounded nails through his bones. And you know, the Lord was there alone. Although Mary Magdalene and his mother and the Apostle John stood there at the cross to try to comfort the Lord. And I'm sure it made him feel better to know that not every one of his disciples forsook him out of fear. But the Lord paid the price, dying as the Lamb of God in the first three and a half years of his ministry. He fulfilled the first part of the covenant, which is he himself. The Lord shall provide himself a lamb. He provided himself as the Lamb of God. But that's not it. That's not the end of the covenant. He also promised he would come for our salvation. He would come as the deliverer of his people. He said, I'm coming as a lion from Judah. He's going to come forth as God to judge the entire earth. He's also coming for the salvation of his people. And the mystery is, and I don't know why this is so hard for us to comprehend, okay? The mystery is, he's going to first come in his people, in the 144,000, who have been sanctified. I've commanded my sanctified ones. They are completely clean. Even as Jesus said, the enemy has nothing in me. When the prince of this world comes, he will find nothing in me. And so the enemy will find nothing in the 144,000 other than the Holy Spirit. And if you look into the eyes of the 144,000, if you had eyes to see into the Spirit, you would see the eyes of the Lion of Judah looking back at you. 
I mean, do you believe? Have you ever heard that you have Jesus in you? The God that's in me is greater than the God that's in the world. That's right. Except the God that's in us has hidden his power. When you walk into the room, the people don't fall on their faces in sheer terror because the presence of God has come upon them. But they will. When the 144,000 come, the Lord will come. And he's not coming as a man. He's coming as God Almighty in his people. And what are they coming to do? Well, I'll tell you what they're coming. It's in the Bible, you guys. You just got to do your homework. Isaiah 66 tells us something about the ministry of the 144,000. Let me find the exact verse. Um, Okay, verse 8. Who has heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth bring forth in a day? Here we go again. As soon as Zion travails, she's going to bring forth her children. Shall I bring to birth, Isaiah 66, verse 9, shall I bring to the point of birth and not cause the birth to come forth, says the Lord. Shall I cause to bring forth and yet shut the womb? And what God's saying is, look, I'm doing this and it's going to be fulfilled. I'm not going to take you halfway there. Your deliverance is assured. And the Lord goes on and look what he says in verse 12. Behold, I will extend peace to her. He's talking about true Jerusalem. He's talking about his remnant people. And the glory of the Gentiles will come. As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort the remnant. And you'll be comforted in Jerusalem. Whoa. You're going back to the land, people. Everybody's leaving. Look at this. Verse 15. For behold, the Lord will come with fire. I already told you. And with his chariots like a whirlwind. I told you a whirlwind is coming forth on the planet. And when the Lord comes, the rocks will melt. And when he touches the hearts of the people, their hearts will melt. Unless their hearts are already holy unto him. And then, if your heart is already fully, it's been trans, almost like a transfiguration. If you've been born again, if you've received the new creation, and you've been through the purging, and you've been through the trials, and you've been through all of the preparation, and you've got to the point where you've cried out, all you want is the life of Jesus. You care nothing for the things of Babylon, and you're ready to seek the Lord with all of your heart and all of your might. Then you will find him as he truly is. And in that place, you're going to be changed. And then, if you're walking in the pureness of the Lord, when he comes and he puts his hand on you, it's going to feel good. You're not going to melt. You're going to feel the power of God, and you're going to shout, Hallelujah! And so you'll be among those who rejoice and joy in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high, in Psalm 9, verse 2. And that word for rejoice, it's alat, and it means to jump for joy, to exult, to be rejoicing in triumph. And whose triumph are we rejoicing in? It is the Lord's triumph. God is the one who's won the victory. And let's continue on. In Isaiah 66, verse 16, for by fire, and let me back up. Let me go back to 15. For behold, the Lord will come. He's coming. Remember what he said to Abraham in, I think it's um, chapter 18, where he said, you know, I will return according to the time of life. 
and Sarah will have a child. Okay? This was Jesus talking to Abraham. Okay? And um, let me just grab, I want to read that exactly. Pardon me, you guys, for being a little, not having all these scriptures right at my fingertips, but I think it's Isaiah. It's in Genesis 18. Is that right, Frank? Where the Lord came and, yeah, the Lord appeared unto yes. Abram in the plains of Mamre, where Abram was sitting in the tent, in the tent door, in the heat of the day. And, and the Lord came and, and he promised, the Lord, you know, told, he said to Abraham, where is Sarah thy wife? And, and Abraham said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah thy wife will have a son. And Sarah heard it. In the tent door, which was behind them. Now Abram and Sarah were old, and therefore Sarah laughed, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said, Why did Sarah laugh? Jesus said to Abraham, why, why is Sarah laughing at me? Surely, you know, you will bear a child. Um, and then the Lord said, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? You know, Jesus is saying, is there anything too hard for me, Abram? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee. Now, remember, you guys, I told you, every word is fulfilled twice. So, nine months later, Jesus returned unto Abram, right? Okay. Now, what does it mean? At the time appointed, I will return unto the world. I will return unto my church according to the cycle of life, according to conception and the birth of the man-child. I'm returning in the birth of the man-child before I come in the heavens with the clouds of, and the armies of heaven. Do you guys see it? Do you see it, Frank? It's a prophecy of his birth. The return of the Lord will first come through the birth of the man-child. It's right in Genesis 18, verse 14. I will return. Amen. The Lord's coming back. Psalm 90, return, O Lord, how long? He's already been here. He was here 2,000 years ago. That's not the return. That's the first coming. It's when he came among us as the Lord, as Jesus. He revealed the Father to us. Now he's going to return according to the time of life. And so, you know, that is what is being pictured in the heavens. Now, jumping back to Isaiah 66... Behold, the Lord will come with fire. And when the man-child is born, the fire is going to start. And the dragon, he can't touch the 144,000 because they're in the presence of God. That's what the text about the man-child being caught up represents. They're caught to God and his throne. Their lives now belong to the Lord. And they're the ministry and the messengers of his covenant. They're the vessels through which the Lord is going to walk out the second half of his seven-year ministry. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We just have never seen this kind of power before. Well, Amen. most of the church has never seen this power. I've seen this power. I've seen the presence of God so strong. People are... you. you pull into a gas station, you get out of your car, every person in that gas station falls on their face weeping and repenting in terror before the Lord because the presence of God had just come. That's what it's going to mm. be like, you guys. Mm. When the 144,000 show up, if you're part of the remnant, they're coming for you. 
They're coming mm. to save you. They're coming to watch you and your children, and they're going to safely escort you to the place in the wilderness where you will be taken care of by the Lord, and it will be very well with the remnant in that day. The remnant doesn't have to worry about this you know, tribulation problem. This is only really a problem for the world, and I guess it's a problem for the apostate church. Um, if they belong to the Lord, they're going to get cleansed in an intense fire. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury. Okay, he said, I called my mighty ones for my anger. When has God ever called a ministry of people forth and their ministry was the anger of the Lord? This has not mm. yet happened, people. Nobody's been in the ministry of God's anger yet. But in addition to the anger of the Lord, I'm going to show you right now in Isaiah 66, the other mission of the 144,000 is to save the remnant. And let's just continue in the text so you can see the scripture declare it for yourselves. For, for by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, mm. and the slain of the Lord shall be many. There's an execution coming here. I already told you guys that. And look at verse 19. I will set a sign among them. That's who the 144,000. They're the ensign. They're the sign. They're the evidence of the faithfulness of God through which he's going to complete and finish his covenant. I will send those that escape unto the nations, to Tarshish and, and to Pula and to Lut, that draw the bow to Tubal, Javan, to the isles far off, that have not heard my fame nor seen my glory. He's going to send the sign, the ensign of the covenant, the 144,000, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. And look at verse 20. And they will bring all of your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all of the nations. Well, how are they going to do that? On horses, in chariots, in leaders, on mules, on swift beasts. Okay, what God is saying is every available means of transportation is going to be used, but the 144,000 are coming, and what is their job? If you're part of the remnant, they're coming for you, and they're going to bring all of you for an offering unto the Lord, and they're bringing you out of all of the nations to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. And so the remnant are clean. Believe me, when the judgment first starts hitting, every one of us will repent from the core of our being. And I, I tell you the truth, when you see what is about to begin, come to pass on the earth, the nations are going to begin to become afraid. Fear shall suddenly seize the hypocrites in the house of God. And the remnant as well, it's going to pierce our hearts to the core of our being, and we will repent from the deepest level that you've ever repented from. And the Lord is going to forgive all of our sins. He's going to wash us and make us clean, that we might be accounted worthy to walk among the remnant. The apostate, the compromised church, the church of the outer court, where they want to keep, let's face it, in the flesh, we all love Babylon. Our spirit is revolted by it. Makes me want to puke, 
really. But in our flesh, we all love the Nephilim. You know, we watch the NFL, you know, and we, we run with them. We're the same as them in the flesh. But in the spirit, it makes us sick. And, you know, the Lord is letting it manifest for what it really is. I mean, right before our eyes, we're seeing now how absolutely evil the world truly was. And so, you know, it's, we're in the valley of decision. You know, what do you want to do? You want to stay in the outer court of compromise? You want to keep the pleasure of Babylon? You want to keep walking with the world and walking with the apostate church? You want to keep your doctrines of demons? You want to keep all of that false prophetic garbage that came out of the, the false prophetic movement? You want to keep the teachings of men that came out of their knowledge of good and evil? Fine, then keep it. But it's really going to burn you when this thing starts. And you get it all burned mm. out of you. And if you belong to the Lord, if you get purified in the fire, don't sweat the small stuff. It's not going to last long. And God's merely cleaning you up to get you ready to take you to the kingdom. So, you know, Amen. we're not the ones in trouble, people. It's the wicked and the people that are not saved that we should be really desperate to try to reach because they're, they don't have much time left. And well, Benjamin, you know, once uh, it starts, it's not going to stop. This has been powerful. And, uh, folks, if you were wondering earlier, I wanted to make sure it references um, in the book of Job when Benjamin was talking about um, everything being fulfilled twice. I know sometimes people wonder uh, where that verse is at. And it's in Job uh, 33, uh, 14, for the, when it talks about dual fulfillment. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not in a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men in slumber, slumberings upon the bed, he openeth, then he openeth the ears of the men and sealeth their instructions. Amen. And so, folks, when God speaks in dreams and visions, it's not just once, it's twice, but we don't usually get it. Well, it's also the Word of God, Frank. Every word of truth must be confirmed by two or more witnesses, correct? Amen. Every word of truth will be confirmed by two or more witnesses. And so... One of the ways God confirms his word by two or more witnesses is it's fulfilled twice. Now, mm. oftentimes the words are fulfilled both literally and spiritually. You know, when God told Adam, the day you eat that fruit, you're going to die, how many times did Adam die? Twice. He died spiritually instantly. He died physically at the age of 970 and a day unto the Lord is a thousand years. So, from the Lord's perspective, Adam died the same day in the flesh. Yes. Although he died spiritually the day he ate the fruit, he died, according to the Lord's count of the day, serving him probably 900 years later, but it was still the same day, according to the Lord's reckoning. And so, on the day that Adam ate the fruit, he died twice. And, you know, this... This is a principle of prophetic interpretation. There's always a dual fulfillment. There's always a spiritual Amen. fulfillment. There's always a, an application in the natural. The Word of God is true in every day, and it's true in every way. It's always the truth. And so, you know, one of the things is just people are... I mean, unless you receive the revelation of, of the mind of Christ, unless you have... The wisdom that comes from above, you 
can't possibly understand the Scripture. The letter of the Scripture, the written word of the Scripture, kills. Only the Spirit brings life. You can't be born again according to the written word of God. You can only be born again by the Spirit of God. And so, too, you can't understand the mysteries of God using your knowledge of good and evil. That's why nobody got any of this. Mm. Because the books were sealed until the time of the end. So, you know, I'm sorry, Darby and, you know, the whole dispensational model, you guys got to junk that thing. Junk yeah. it. It's not biblical. Amen. You throw it away, man. Let's start over with the Bible. I junked it in the mid-1980s. And I mm. started over with the Bible 33 years ago. And the Lord has been continuing to show me things in the Scripture. Everything is in the Word of God. But, you know, the truth is, the 144,000, think of them as the military arm of the kingdom. Now, God has a kingdom, and Satan has a kingdom. And we live physically on the earth, which is under Satan's dominion, but we are also actually part of God's kingdom. Well, these two kingdoms are about to go to war. And the abyss is going to open up, and the demonic is going to come out, and Satan's going to possess the Antichrist, and it's going to be worse than it's ever been on the face of this earth. But where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And so at the same time, the Lord is going to come among us. And, you know, think of it from the perspective of just a king with a kingdom. Our God has been at war with Satan for 6,000 years. What is fixing to happen is going to be the final conflict in a 6,000-year war. And the Lord is going to win. It is going to be the most amazing victory. God is going to devastate the kingdom of darkness. They will be annihilated, okay? But before the Lord annihilates Satan, and before he destroys Babylon, and before he judges the wicked, this whole thing is going to play out, and he's going to use the enemy to purify a backslidden people. But there's also always a remnant. You know, if it wasn't for the mercy of God in choosing a remnant, none of us would have survived this time. But the Lord, because of his greatness and because of his glory, he has decided he's going to save a remnant of people. Now, who are these remnants? It's in the scripture. They're the poor, they're the broken, they're the afflicted, they're the people no one wanted. They were thrown away by the church. They're the people that nobody cared for. The orphans and the homeless. You would think God would go save the great people. Forget it. God's ways are not your ways. Instead, the Lord went and got the people that are the most, really the lowest among us. They're not the great people. They're the people in the greatest need. But you know what? They're the people who also will appreciate more than anyone else, the gift of salvation and the gift of deliverance in this hour. Who are the remnant? The remnant are the afflicted ones among you. The remnant are the people that have struggled. The remnant are the people who were not good enough. And those are the people. And that's in the, the Word of God. I mean, I wish I had perfect memory and could just cite chapter and verse, but the Lord says, you know, I'm going to go gather the afflicted. 
I'm going to get the lame, you know. The, the rich people and the people that were great in their own eyes, they didn't want to come. They, didn't, they weren't interested. They were invited. They could have been among the remnant, but they, they were more interested in, in the things of Babylon. They, they had bought oxen. That, you know, they had to go bury the dead. And they had to tend to the barns that they just expanded. They had to worry about the things of the flesh and the pleasures of this life. You know, and the doctrines that they had been taught in church told them it didn't matter anyway because they were already on their way to the great by and by. And so they're the ones that are going to get purified in the fire. They really belong to the Lord. But many of them actually don't even know the Lord, and somehow some great deception is going to come. And a large number of people that, quote, profess Christianity are actually going to be deceived by the false prophet. I mean, he's going to do lying signs and wonders. They're going to be amazing deceptions. And they're going to be deceived into worshiping the beast. And they're going to take the mark, and, and they're going off into eternity. And they're not going with us. And, and you know, some of them, and I've already heard, Christian leaders say this, I'm not making this up, I've seen it on live on TV, saying that, you know, if they came to you and told you you need to take a tattoo on your hand or your forehead in order to buy or sell, that it would be okay to take the mark of the beast because God knows you have to feed your family. And besides, we know the preacher rapture means we're out of here before it's the mark of the book of Revelation. So if they come and want to tattoo you now, well, that's not the mark of the beast because that only happens after the rapture, and we're still here, so it can't be the mark of revelation. Lord, help and us. I'm serious. I've seen prophecy teachers say that, and I'm not going to name names, but you got to throw their books in the trash. And I'm here to tell you there are people who call themselves Christians today that are going to be deceived by the great delusion that's coming and are going to listen to the false prophet. They're going to fall into the one world super religion, which, by the way, is going to be Christian, right? Did you guys mm -hmm. know that? The whole world's going to become Christian? Only they're going to be the kind of Christians where you can be gay or you can be a pedophile or, you know, you can do whatever sin you want in the name of your God. And, and it's all going to be done in Jesus' name. But it was, none of it was of the Lord. It was all of Satan. It was all a huge counterfeit. It's going to sweep away a large number of souls. And I, I'm sorry. You know, I wish we could help them. But don't let mm. that be you. Amen? Amen. Benjamin, um, we're, I was going to do some questions a little more tonight, but uh, um, it's okay because what you were talking about, it was powerful, and I knew God was leading. And I just want to say thank the Lord for uh, what we've just heard. And um, Benjamin, just kind of wrapping everything up, uh, you, last week I had a show, um, I was talking about, you know, it was, has, it was called Has Jesus Washed Your Feet? And it was basically, I'm um, trying to, you know, talking about, trying to, like Peter, he didn't want the Lord to wash his feet, you know, he wanted to tell God what to do. And so often we try to do the same thing. And, and so I was trying to, you know, encourage people, you know, let God lead, you know, in your life. And, and then I heard a message you did last week, and you said something that kind of slapped me upside the face. 
in a good way, but I had to receive it. And, and you mentioned that, you know, uh, we're out doing our own thing, and, and when we, we're, we're not praying and, and checking in with God every day, asking what He wants us to do. And, and Benjamin, I know that might seem so petty, but for me, that hit me hard, and I realized, you know what? I, I've not been lining my prayers up with, God, what do you want me to do today? Uh, and, and so, Benjamin, I, it hit me hard, and I called a friend of mine, and we started accountability with each other, you know, text me, this morning, hey, how'd you pray? I was like, yeah, I know, I started this morning off. Um, God, okay, what do you want me to do? Benjamin, I know so often we end up, our prayer life becomes about what we want instead of about what he desires. Benjamin, could you kind of close us up on this program um, with well, just a word of encouragement to those of us who have been struggling? Well, yeah, because your deliverer is coming. You know, there is deliverance coming. And the woman is in travail. And I would venture to say that everybody's struggling right now. And perhaps this has been the hardest time of all. You know, and as we've pressed in and we continue to seek the Lord, many of us have really been battling. And, you know, the enemy knows their time is short. So, you know, they're working overtime. But God is faithful. The Lord will keep that which we have committed unto Him. And so, commit your life unto the Lord. Trust God. He is going to work things out. It's His job. Actually, our salvation is the work of the Lord. Although, we are encouraged to be working with Him as He works through us. We can't be lackadaisical. We've got to be diligent, doers of the Word. But ultimately, it's the power of God that empowers us to overcome the flesh. And they will overcome the flesh through the Word of God and through the blood of the Lamb and through the Word of their testimony. And our testimony is that the Word of the Lord is true and every other word is a lie. And, you know, it seems like there's such a little bit of time and there's such a large message to try to share and uh, so I apologize for maybe trying to rush a little fast um, because I had so much on my heart to try to get out and, and it is hard when people don't understand the base revelation of what's about to take place you know and I mean there's most of the church still is convinced they're going to get raptured although you know they're 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 not far off. I mean, most of the church is convinced they're not going to be here, and it turns out they're going to be right. But instead of being raptured, they're going to get captured. And instead of disappearing, they're going to be, they'll be disappeared in a very unpleasant way. And I don't want to be among them on that day. And, you know, and they get angry. If you try to warn them, you know, hey, uh, you guys have got trouble coming, you know, go read Jeremiah 23, the there's the people of God are certainly going to be here, you know, for the day of the Lord. And, you know, the 144,000, they're going to be here. What, you think those guys are not saved today? Are you kidding me? They've been in preparation for probably 40 years or longer. You know, and the life of Job is a prophetic picture of the preparation of the 144,000. They got reduced to cinder dust. 
God so purged them out, they wished they'd never been born. Because yeah. the Lord had to bring them to the end of self-will run riot. Mm. And, um, you know, I'd love to visit your question longer, but I'm sensitive to the time. And, you know, we no, also no, told but, the people no. that they could call in. I want to at least take a few minutes. If people have any questions, we should at least honor. Since we said that, we should do it. <laughs> yeah, we, I lost one earlier, but I got a text message on from, something from them. And uh, another call here I got holding on. And uh, if we can, we've got 19 minutes and 51 seconds left, so we can go to. Uh, but I do want to say one quick word, Benjamin, and and this has been an experience I've had. Um, I've been I've preached and spoke all around, and um, I've tried by the best by God's Spirit to always speak the truth. And um, I've been nicknamed. I've been called the Prophet of Doom um, uh, by my. <laughs> By my own family members, okay, and uh, too. So, and and I, if anybody knows me, I'm not that kind of a person. But when you speak the truth, sometimes people feel like you're condemning. And the experience, though, that I've had, Benjamin, and this is what gives me hope, and it also makes me sad at the same time, is I've preached and poured my heart out, and, and I've been at the end of the service come out, and Benjamin, people come forward sometimes so utterly dumbfounded because they haven't heard anything like that in so long they forgot what it was like to just hear a straight word out of the Bible and and I've realized Benjamin it's not because my preaching so great I've realized that people are so hungry for the truth and they can't find it and all they were ever told was just, you know, go to church, go to church. And unfortunately, some of them didn't do the due diligence, but I see this hunger coming about in God's people where there's a separation that's coming. And there are people that they're speckled throughout the churches, and they're just dying for a word of truth. And I want to say thank you for sharing with us tonight uh, a solid word that people can, can take and chew on and then go study it out themselves. Well, um, you know, Frank, the, the, the average Christian today has no concept of what it means to walk in the presence of the Lord or what is the requirements of the kingdom. All we know, all we've seen is the Laodicean apostasy. And I'll take you back because the beginning of God's expectations with Israel are no different than what he expects from the church. And in Deuteronomy 12, he told Israel what he expected of them under the original covenant. And he said, you shall not do after all the things that you've been doing here this day. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. You will not do what's right in your eyes. For you have not yet come to the place of rest and to your inheritance, which the Lord will give you. But when you cross over the Jordan and you go into the land that the Lord's about to give you to inherit, where the place where the Lord will cause his name to dwell, there you will bring all that I command you. You're going to do all that God commands you. And you will know, and you will take heed to yourself. You will watch yourself carefully. And in the place which the Lord shall choose, you shall offer the offerings that God expects of you. And we know in the new covenant, in the new writings of the of the New Testament scriptures, you are to present your life a living sacrifice. But that's not what's going on in the church. Today, all you got to do is believe in Jesus, and then you get to do whatever's right in your own eyes. 
and you know go enjoy Babylon, and yeah. and that is not the kingdom. We don't mm. do what's right in our own eyes, mm. and. You know, most Christians don't understand we're actually supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to be stumbling around doing whatever seems right in our eyes. You know, I mean, we all quote the scriptures, but we don't really understand most of what we've read or what we're quoting. You know, for example, you know, we quote the promises of the Word of God as if they automatically apply to us, but without paying attention to the text, most of God's promises are contingent on satisfying the conditions. Take Romans 8. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean you believe in Him, or do you abide in Him, or you walk in Him, or you dwell in Him, or you live in the presence of Jesus? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, not according to whatever is right in their eyes, but they walk after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is life, and it set us free from the law of sin and death. But most Christians are not free from the law of sin and death, because they're not walking in the Spirit. And now, they will argue with you, you know, if Christ be in you, your body is dead. Well, are, are you full of the Holy Spirit? then the flesh in you is dead. You know? And the thing is, we're in the apostasy. You don't see this anymore. And the only reason I understand these things is because the Lord allowed me to walk in the fullness of the anointing. Years ago, I call it the age of miracles, and you know, maybe someday I should share my testimony, but I spent four years walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and I heard the Lord speak to me audibly, pretty much every day. Mm. And, um, I mean, Frank, there was even, I, I remember um, at the end, I would pray, you know, at the, at the end of every day, I'd pray at the beginning of every day, and I, would, I was like a little prayer warrior, you know. I loved um, praying because I could get into the presence of the Lord. I remember driving home from college and, and thinking, I, I can't wait to get home to pray, you know I can't wait to get in the presence of the Lord because it was so awesome entering into the presence of God. And, and at times I would feel like I literally was being translated into heaven. The anointing was coming in such power. and I mean, I was being filled with the love of God. I remember I would come out of my prayer closet. I was like floating around. I felt like I was literally floating. I was so full of the presence of God. And I remember sitting down when my, my grandparents were with my family at the time. I remember sitting down at dinner and looking at everybody in my family. The love of God was just pouring through me. And I could literally experience God's love for each of the people that were in my family. And it was incredible. Amen. The presence of God. I remember one night, you know, I would pray at the end of the day and I would repent. I would check in with the Lord. And if I missed anything or didn't, you know, if I did any sins or anything, I would repent of them. And I remember times where the Lord would say, you know, I would think, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to repent of today. And the Lord would say to me, you did not sin today. You did all that I commanded you. That's what he said to me. You know, mm. God doesn't have suggestions. God doesn't give you a few good ideas. God has a commandment for you, and it's his perfect will. And most of us miss it. 
And it's a tragedy because the, the substitute is a disaster. Oh, well, you might be rich, and you might, be, you might think yourself in need of nothing. I mean, you could be part of that Laodicean mess, thinking you got it made, but the reality is you're deaf, you're dumb, you're blind, you're naked, and you're going to end up in the kingdom of pauper. Because all you accomplished was, was building the wood, the hay, and the stubble. And in the fire that's coming, all the work of your life is going to be consumed. But, so I understand what it means that, to actually walk with the Lord. And brother, it is a battle right now. And I've I got to tell you, I think you know, what we're dealing with is a time where everybody is struggling. I know for me, the warfare of the enemy against me has been outrageous. And uh, mm. I'm thanking God, though, because heaven has been moving. I mean, the power of God has been moving. And I'm, I'm just glad, you know, the Lord has been speaking to me. I get really scared when I can't hear from him because, you know, in my world, that's like something seriously wrong. And in this hour, you don't want anything wrong between you and the Lord. But do we have any questions? Let's, if we yeah, have anybody yeah. let's, waiting, let's, let's take We've, we've let's only take got 11 minutes left, so Benjamin, I'm going to bring on um, uh, area code 828. Um, you're on with us. Go ahead. Benjamin. Hey, brother. Hey. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to get your input on something. You know, for years I have heard so many different people talk about um, methods and mechanisms of receiving the mark of the beast. And a lot of the uh, things that I have heard people talk about uh, require kind of a setup on the part of the, of the, um, of society, kind of a, uh, an infrastructure in place. But when I read the scriptures, it talks about the mark of the beast, the mark being in the forehead and in the hand. And the perspective that I have had, and I'd like to get your input on that, is that your hand being what you do and in your head being what you believe or what, you're, what you are faithful unto. Not necessarily a chip or a stamp, but, you know, what you do and what you believe and where, where your allegiance is. And that being the mark, and I'd like your impact, input on that. Well, right, thank you. you know, that's a great insight. And given that the Word of God is always fulfilled twice, there's no question that that is sort of a spiritual fulfillment of people receiving the mark of the beast. It's marked, and it made an impression in their mind, and it's, it's dominating their hand, their, the choices of their life. But I can tell you, when, um, when I was coming out of uh, the university, I had a series of interviews with IBM, and I did pretty well. I made it all the way to one of the senior executives running the company in the western U.S., and at the end of the interview, they give you the standard you know, question, do you have any questions for me? And, of course, I said to the guy, you know, I just have one question. I've learned from five independent sources inside your corporation that your company has developed and mass-produced an infrared laser tattoo device designed to imprint an infrared laser tattoo in the hand or forehead of the people in order for, for use with the electronic money system that's coming. And I was wondering if that is true, that these are being stored in warehouses in the United States and in Western Europe, 
An executive looked at me and he said, that is old news. And so there is a literal mark. Um, you know, now they've got the microchip, but the microchip is fairly expensive, and there is no need to microchip a billion people when an infrared tattoo will suffice. And the, most of the uh, stores today have infrared scanners in order to read the barcodes. And so once the infrared tattoo, and by the way, it's three sets of six digits. I left that part out. The tattoo is actually uh, scanned three sets of six digits. So it literally is 666. And you, all you have to do is pass your hand over the scanner, and it will read your uh, personal number. And the reason for the head, some people have lost one or both hands. And so everyone has a head, or you know, you're not out buying and selling stuff. <laughs> so there will be a literal mark. Um, People that they want to track moment by moment, no doubt, will get chipped. But, you know, you don't need to chip the entire slave population. Uh, the infrared tattoo will be sufficient. Every time they buy and sell anything, they will have, it, have identified their location on the planet. And um, so I think it'll, you'll see both. You'll see the infrared tattoo used widespread. And, and for select people that are of a higher level of interest to the Antichrist system, they, they will also get chipped. But Amen. I like That's your a... insight. I think that was a very, very good insight, brother. I think what you said is also true. Amen. I got one other caller here, too, right now, real quick, because, Benjamin, we only got six minutes left here, six and a half minutes. Okay, so, great. Uh, caller, um, I don't know what your caller ID is. Uh, come on on with us on the room to call. Hello? Yes. Uh, yes, sir. Hi. Uh, it's my first time to call. Uh I've been wanting to write an email to Benjamin Baruch, and I got his three books. Sir, um, I feel I have been feel so alone in my area because the church where I attend to, it's the Pentecostal, but they're not making Jesus Christ as the center of the church. And and I left the church, and all I'm doing is doing self-study and praying to God. I have the books of Brother Benjamin, The Day of the Lord, in my hand right now, Out of the Darkness and the New Tactics of Global War. And I strongly believe that God has led me to him and to your show. I'm kind of really scared talking to you guys. Um, I just want to share my, my dream since last year, sir. I wrote it down, but... I've been hearing the voice of the Lord, especially in my dream, and has shown me a lot in my dream. Um, the the first one, when he told me audibly, he said, uh, I will be sending, I, I will gather my people to the four corners of the earth. It's very loud. Uh, and second one, he said, Vladimir Putin will be sending a long-range missile. So I was I really need a prayer what God is telling me on this. Could, could you repeat yeah. the second dream? I didn't. I couldn't quite make out what you um, said. Sir. Yes, sir, I'm sorry. Um, okay. The Lord said, um, Vladimir Putin will be sending a long-range missiles. And, sir, I've been seeing a lot of dreams. Now, who a will send the missile? Was that Putin? He, you said, he said Putin? He said Vladimir Putin. Okay, Vladimir Russia. Putin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. And um, God, the Lord also showed me, Brother Benjamin, um, an asteroid. It's so vivid that I'm scared it impacted the earth. And 
He also said audibly, I will turn the earth upside down. And I saw yeah. the earth, and, and he showed me a triangle inverted. And, sir, you are a true servant of God. And I just want to say that when I was talking to the Lord, he, he, he let me feel his pain and anguish because the church right now is mostly a ministry of flesh, and there's no anguish. And mm. as, as you said, you are right. The Lord deserves more from us. He was murdering the cross for our sins. And the Lord right. deserved more from us. And Brother Benjamin, you are right. And I know the Lord is near. And I've seen a tsunami. I have seen this asteroid. I have seen two long-range missiles coming from Korea. One hit a civilian group and one to the military. Mm-hmm. I, I have written a lot, sir. And thank God I was able to participate in your show. I'm really shy to talk, but in my heart, with all my heart, I'm telling the truth, what God had told me audibly. Amen. He will gather his people to the four corners of the earth. He is near, and Vladimir Putin will be sending a long-range missile. Right. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Let me, I'm going to put her on mute there, Benjamin, so you can finish talking. Sister, thank you. That was very powerful. Please email me at remnantcall uh, remnant at outlook.com. Uh, and, Benjamin, thank you. Please comment on that. we got two minutes and 40 seconds left. Well, I did not catch the sister's name. I thank you so much for calling. I would say, first of all, I want to pray for you. I plead the blood of Jesus over you. I rebuke a spirit of fear off mm-hmm. of you. You know, perfect love casts out fear. The Lord said, when you see these things coming to pass, lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing near. We are not going to be destroyed in this. The Lord is coming to deliver. He's coming for the salvation of his people, sister. That includes you, okay? So don't receive the spirit of fear. Now, I understand it's very fearful what is coming upon the earth, but we've got to learn to trust the Lord, to stay in a place of peace, and stay in a place of faith. Because uh, we want to keep our composure so that we can continue to hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we walk through these days. We will be tempted to fear. That's why the Lord said, look up. Because if you look upon the earth, you will see fearful things coming. We need to learn to look, keep our focus on the Lord. But sister, if you could, please write down a summary of everything you tried to share of these dreams and visions that you've had. Send it to Frank, or you could forward it to me through my website, BenjaminBrook.net. And uh, thank you so much for calling. And, Frank, you know, we should do a second program where we give ample time for callers, because I apologize. I, I get going on a message, and I just get so okay. excited about the Word of God that I use up all the time, and please forgive no, me. No, no, it was, it was good. Sister, blessings. I, that word was powerful. Thank you so much. Um, folks, this is the day... Uh, that the Lord has talked about. This is the time. Quit. Stop whatever you're doing that's foolish at this moment. Let's put it down. Let's get right. Let's get on our prayer closets. Let's start asking God what He would have us to do, and let's not be driving our own ships anymore. Uh, as Benjamin has shared with us tonight, the signs are in the heavens. The, the Word declares the glory of God. He is coming soon. Uh, he has been revealing these things through dreams and visions to many people. Uh, even our dear sister has uh, shared with us tonight that the Lord is laying on her heart uh, along with other people 
people. Uh, folks, you have a duty. You need to go back and test these things, pray about them, uh, ask God to confirm them, because you can't afford to be wrong on this. And so I just want to say thank you, Benjamin, for coming on tonight and sharing with us. And folks, Benjamin Baruch, uh, is it net or dot .org is your site, Benjamin, or dot .com? It's dot .com or dot .net. Okay. The, the Amen. will forward well, you to dot .net. Amen. Well, with all that, this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin Baruch from the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom.